0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Buxton. Checking them out for predictive and mobile analytics. You won't believe what you can do with this information. If you're in commercial real estate, at least check it out. The website is buxtonco.com. Well, today we're talk about retail real estate and specifically grocery-anchored centers. Of course, we're all kind of familiar with with all the changes going on with retail. Some of us think, hey, isn't retail struggling? (laughs) Some of it has and some of it might be. But you might be surprised what's been going on in the grocery-anchored world. Please welcome my guest. It's Jesse Shannon, Jesse's Chief Investment Officer with Branch Properties. Jesse, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Appreciate you being with us. And uh, the first thing I'd like to uh, ask you about is, Really, what are you seeing for sales trends for your grocery anchor tenants? I mean, you know, what, what happened with their sales kind of during the, the pandemic and, 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 now, and now? What do you see? Are they, are they doing well?
1: Surprisingly, Michael, the, the grocers are doing extremely well mm-hmm. right now. Uh, we expected during the pandemic to see a fall off in, in sales for both, our, you know, our lead grocers that operate in the southeastern United States, which are our Publix and Kroger. And we really expected to see a shift to uh, an online uh, Amazon-based um, um, grocery delivery model, and that's really not what played out to everyone's surprise, even for uh, for those of us in the industry. What we really saw was that Publix and Kroger saw same-store sales growth of of 14 and and or 16 and 14 percent, respectively. And we saw a huge uptick in in customer traffic in the stores, even in the height of the the pandemic. Uh, Shockingly, that trend has continued. And both of those chains have seen same-store sales growth on top of those kind of staggering, you know, uh, double-digit numbers of of, uh, 16 and 14%. And it seems like right now, uh, this is is the heyday, if you will, for, for some of these larger grocers.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting to see. And, and is some of that because there's less options to eat out? Or why do you think their sales have been doing so well?
1: Well, during the pandemic, that was that was absolutely the case, yeah. is that there was a, a change in consumption patterns from eating out in restaurants to eating at home. And, and ironically, in 2019 was the first time in history that restaurant sales exceeded grocery sales. Uh, but during the pandemic, that, that obviously dramatically uh, flip-flopped and certainly while people were staying at home and quarantining, they were shopping at their traditional grocery store, and typically the traditional grocery store, the grocery store that offered all their goods and services. We did see a shift during that period of time from niche grocers or or organic-only grocers like Whole Foods or potentially Sprouts To the traditional grocery store i.e. Publix and Kroger where they could buy their full grocery basket if you were going to make a a trip to the grocery store it wasn't going to be three or four trips which was the previous consumption pattern you were only going to make one so definitely during the pandemic what surprised us coming out of the pandemic is we expected to see a drop off in that same store sales comp that really hasn't happened both of them have comped up on top of those dramatic lift during the during the uh, pandemic even though people have started to venture out um, and eat eat in restaurants again. But but that hasn't
0: happened. Interesting. Well, you know, you gotta go to Whole Foods to get those weird fancy soaps and stuff (laughs) like that. How are you gonna do without that? Um, What about your shop tenants, the the smaller tenants around your grocery anchor? How did they do through the pandemic and then today?
1: The success of the shop tenants definitely varied uh, and it depended on whether or not they were considered, you know, a necessity-based retailer, i.e. someone selling food uh, and or medical supplies. So, you know, a lot of our a lot of our tenants today in these grocery anchor and open air neighborhood shopping centers are, are very different than they were 20 years ago. A lot of our tenant composition today is medical uses. Mm-hmm. Those thrived during the pandemic, urgent care facilities, testing facilities, things of that nature. Drug stores of course did well. Uh, and then, you know, banking institution and cer- certain service institutions, soft goods retailers, nail salons, a lot of the service-based kind of non-essential daily needs retailers are the ones that really struggled during the pandemic and and required some assistance during that period
0: of time. Yeah. One of the things that, and I made the some hardship on retail property owners around the country during uh, the great recession and i'm not sure why we call it great i didn't think it was that great (laughs) (laughs) was uh, these uh, clauses where the tenants have some rights these shop tenants have some rights right to maybe reduce the rent or even cancel their lease if the anchor goes dark Um, what are you seeing today in in new leases uh, as far as a trend there with these co-tenancy clauses it it depends on the the Size of the tenant and the nature
1: of their business. So, typically, in a grocery anchored shopping center, the tenants may want to tie their their um, occupancy to the grocer. We typically have leveraging power in those deals and, and don't allow that because uh, they really most tenants today want to uh, open in a, in a grocery anchored shopping center because. They have found that their sales are stronger when they co-locate with a successful grocer than when they're in an inline traditional strip center. So we have some leverage. That being said, some of the larger what we call soft goods junior anchor tenants like a Ross or a TJ Maxx or um, a Home Goods, these type of tenants typically require co-tenancy clauses. And the danger with these these co-tenancy clauses from our standpoint or the risk, I would say, is that... If a tenant fails and you have multiple leases tied to those tenants, it's somewhat like a house of cards where one card falls and you can bring down the whole house. Uh, So we, we have tried to steer away from Dependency upon co-tenancy clauses. We certainly try to mitigate them because they do introduce a lot of risks to the investment.
0: Yeah, and I assume lenders and investors are wary of them as well. They are. You know, right? You wouldn't.
1: You wouldn't know that right now with the way some of these deals are being priced. You know, the market's kind of pricing through it right now in this current environment. But certainly, there is a a. Significant uh, delta in capitalization rates between your traditional grocery anchor deal with little or almost no co tenancy, mm-hmm. and what we would look at is in, in a power center where we have heavy co tenancy. The trade off between those two. Uh, uh, deals may be as much as 150 to 200 basis points wow. on a cap rate basis wow. to compensate the investor for that level of risk.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense because that's a huge risk if that uh, first card starts to fall.
1: That's, that's exactly right.
0: And you've mentioned a lot of tenants. Uh, what are some of the tenants and sectors that of tenants that are really expanding now? Certainly our grocers
1: are. Uh, uh, you know, Publix has ramped up their, their uh, new store program significantly. Um, we, we have more Publixes right now under development uh, than we've ever had in the history of our company. And we've been in business you know, 45 plus years. So uh, that, that's definitely the medical, medical tenants, specifically kind of uh, boutique medical or uh, concierge medical. That's a real push right now. Uh, where you you know you pay a fee, an annual fee, you reduce the number of patients in the in the doctor 's office, and therefore you get uh, kind of high touch uh, uh, better medical care at a premium that 's definitely a use that we 've seen expanding in our shopping centers um, yeah, it, it, still fast casual quick service restaurants have really expanded those that rely more on a takeout model than they do on a dine in model and we 've seen a reduction in, in uh, we've seen a, a increase in the frequency of these restaurants seeking space from us, but a reduction in square footage. So, so coming out of the pandemic, one of the major themes and one of the major kind of expansion areas are quick service restaurants, where you order at the counter or you put in an online order and you eat it to go with limited uh, uh, in 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 restaurant dining.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned. Cap rates, uh, Jesse. So kind of what are you seeing for trends there on cap rates on these grocery anchored centers? There's a lot of buyer demand, right? There is. And,
1: and I, I will say this, it, it wasn't nearly as significant as it was. It's more significant now than it was 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a, a compression of cap rates to the tune of about 100 basis points in the last 12 months. Wow. Most institutional investors were very leery of retail a year ago. Uh, They felt like uh, uh, online um, and omni-channel sales were really going to impact physical retail. And a lot of investment was moving towards multifamily and industrial during that period of time. Coming out of the pandemic with grocery stores doing extremely well, where one would have thought in that particular situation, if there was ever a time for online grocery delivery to succeed, that would have been it. But that didn't play out. And so what's happened is institutions are underweighted to retail. They're all trying to diversify their portfolios. If you're going to invest in retail, where's the safest place to be? Grocery anchored retail. And so that's resulted in in, um, historical pricing in our sector. And it's all really happened, Michael, in the last nine to twelve months tops.
0: That's crazy. There seems to be a lot of buyer demand in almost almost every sector. But uh, I love the space you guys are in, the grocery anchored centers. You know that necessity. We got to get groceries, right? Everybody's got to eat, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Everybody's right. Everybody's got to eat. So, while we're on the discussion of cap rates, what's your thoughts on cap rates moving forward in this space? You know, we're, the Fed's saying that they're going to raise interest rates.
1: Uh, correct. So that's 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 the uh, the million dollar question, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, it, we're uh, tired of predicting. I, I personally am tired of trying to predict which way rates are going to go, even with what the Fed signals. But my feeling is, yes, rates will rise. I'm not sure, though, there isn't so much capital right now uh, it, in, in the private equity space, especially seeking inflation protection, so hard assets, mm-hmm. that uh, equity right now won't accept lower yields. So I don't see a dramatic movement in cap rates in the near yeah. term, next 12 to 24 months. What I see is, is expectations being reset on what an acceptable yield is in this market. So. Yes, typically cap rates have moved with interest rates, but without a significant rise in interest rates, given the amount of pent-up demand, especially for inflation protection, i.e. hard assets or real estate, I see real estate accepting lower yields, and that's really playing out right now in the market. We haven't seen any cooling in pricing, even though the 10-year Treasury has made a a pretty significant run here in the last 60 days.
0: Jesse, can you share with our audience a a sample cap rate on a a closing that's recently happened what the actual rate was,
1: um, yeah, we we recently have have sold six assets, um, mm-hmm. and and the pricing on that um, all grocery anchor deals was was around a five, mm-hmm. uh, weighted, um, uh, and and uh, I think the expectation was as twelve months ago that may have been seventy five to, to one hundred basis points yeah. of that,
0: and that was a pretty long term on the anchor.
1: Yes, most of our most of our anchor terms were you know ten plus years, but to be honest with you. That's really not affecting pricing, shockingly, the anchor term of the grocers, because we have sales performance at these individual locations. Mm-hmm. So what makes up for lack of term a lot of times for us and being able to sell these assets is well, this store is a high-performing store. And even though they have five years, it's highly profitable, high-performing, and the sales trend is positive, typically those grocers don't, don't leave those locations.
0: Yeah. And you guys are uh, buy existing product, right? You also do a lot of development. So when you're doing development deals these days, are is it really uh, starting from uh, scratch, or are you doing some redevelopment of some of these older centers and older retail?
1: You know, we we. I, Originally, I would say seven, eight years ago, we were doing a lot more redevelopment and repositioning existing assets. Those, are, those deals are fewer and further between because of demand for existing deals has, has increased so substantially. Today, it's true ground-up raw land uh, development. Uh, almost exclusively in our portfolio, and less redevelopment. Yeah, and that's just because of the scarcity of those those types of opportunities.
0: And geographically, is it more suburban or infill, or or what are you seeing? Predominantly suburban.
1: Yeah. We do have one infill deal right now mm-hmm. we're doing in the in, in the city of Atlanta, but mm-hmm. most of our projects, you know, we're all we're Georgia, Florida, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and Virginia, almost exclusively suburban. And and mm-hmm. we're we're really capturing a trend right now, which is as fewer people working in offices, living closer to home, or working from home, and there's definitely been kind of a reverse migration here over the last 18 months from urban areas to suburban areas, yeah. and we're, we're, our our grocers are definitely and our shopping centers are benefiting from that.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of suburban markets are really doing well, especially the the closer in ones is what I kind of want to see. What about construction costs as, in, as far as operations and and, uh, and then development wise, how's construction costs impacting you guys? Uh, we, we are definitely
1: uh, uh, seeing a dramatic rise in construction costs. It's mm-hmm. certainly making deals more challenging mm-hmm. uh, to, to finance and to, for, for which to secure capital. Uh, we have managed to do that because shop rents have been moving in concert with, with uh, the, those uh, increases in prices. But unquestionably today, uh, there's there's scarcity of labor. There's scarcity of goods. There are fewer contractors willing to bid jobs. A lot of got a lot of contractors wanting to go to negotiated bids. We can't really do that with our development program. So uh, there's shortages of certain materials, and that seems to be kind of a rolling issue. It was white tpo roofing which we use in all of our shopping centers it's now switchboards certain hill houses mm-hmm. uh it you never know where the delays coming from that's yeah. certainly making uh, development challenging and we're having to increase our our time frames for construction and and costs are rising dramatically we've been able to overcome that because rents are, are moving in concert with that but it, it's a challenging environment right now to get deals off the yeah. ground
0: and i guess your anchor tenants are understanding of potential delays Uh,
1: They are. are, uh, You know, uh, you didn't want to be the first one coming out of the pandemic with those delays, but it's almost becoming uh, an expectation now from some of our tenants that projects are going to take longer and be more delayed. Uh, They're they're working with us on that. What they want is certainty of opening dates, but unquestionably, a lot of projects are getting delayed. And they're getting delayed a lot of times on tenant-specific items that are uh, unique to their store's prototype right. that we have no control over the purchasing on. So, right. so they're sensitive because they're dealing it with themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Jesse, what would you uh, forecast moving forward for and kind of shop rents, uh, development uh, volume, and, and just the grocery anchor center market moving forward? I think in the near term, I
1: think shop rents will continue to increase. I mean, we're definitely in an inflationary environment. I think uh, grocery stores will continue to expand because they've seen really positive same-store sales growth, and typical typically, groceries benefit from inflation. Uh, believe it or not, you would think their margins get compressed during inflation. That's typically not the case. Their margins widen. Uh, and, and they're the beneficiary of kind of rising commodity prices, which historically have been very flat. So I see the grocers trying to put more stores on the ground, especially the traditional grocers, uh, less so from kind of the niche or boutique grocers or limited service, you know, kind of what I called, limited service grocers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the future's bright from a development standpoint. I think mm-hmm. the only impediment for us, and you just alluded to it, is is can we make the cost make sense yeah. Uh, given given where where they're going to get these development deals off the ground, but but uh, I I think the future is extremely bright. I think uh, the grocers will be aggressive, and I think uh, shop rents will will continue to rise at least in the near term. You know, next twelve to twenty four months.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. It's great for the industry. Great for. Uh for everybody. I'm uh, doing I'm doing the Snoopy dance now. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jesse, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank Great you very much. Appreciate, appreciate you having me. All right, and thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know what you think. Hey, we appreciate you sharing the show and uh, reaching out to us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit BuxtonCo.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is Michael at BullRealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One up to 21 one hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's Commercial Real Estate Show.